This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Wavecast Prince, which is, uh, Wavecast Prince is, 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 is rare for us. So we've got Prince Lucamara here and Victor Cruz as our special guest. Dude, thank you so much for joining, man. Now, my pleasure, man. Thanks for having me. Obviously, me and Prince go way back, um, like like wave caps, apparently. So. <laughs> I'm sure we'll have a couple stories, but just to let the audience know, um, you know, for, for us, it's such a big deal to have a better understanding of of you as a person, uh, of what your interests are, life, you know, during and after football, especially on the business and finance side. Um, but I would be remiss if we didn't talk a little football. I'm sure people know who you are, but a little bit of that story would be amazing. The, the undrafted side, what that felt like for you. If, if there was ever that moment where you were like, damn, I, I don't know if, if this is for me and, and how you got through that. Yeah, I mean, there were so many ups and downs in my career that had me, you know, in a mode where I could have just quit or I kind of just there were definitely those moments where you just kind of like, man, you don't know if, you know, this could be the end of your journey. Like the journey could end here and you have to shift and figure out what it's going to be. So I remember just going to UMass and making that decision to go to a one double A school and just try my best and, and just live with the results and just see what comes of it, knowing that I'm just put myself out there, put my put everything I had out there to the people and, and let the decision be made on where I stand. So when I got the opportunity uh, to sign on the Giants as a free agent. I mean, you couldn't tell me that I wasn't drafted, right? Like I was, mm-hmm. I went to like a local pro day a couple of weeks before and they give you gear, like the hat, shirt, like a little outfit. So when they called me and told me I was a free agent, I literally like grabbed that hat, put it on and walked outside and everybody thought I got drafted. No way. I was like, yeah, like, I'm not going to say no. I'm technically going to the Giants. I just didn't, you know, a lot of people just didn't understand what a free agent was, especially right, right. people that, like they saw me with a hat on coming outside. Reflections. They were for me. So, were yeah, I was, I was definitely capping, literally capping, literally. <laughs> um, but with that being said, going to the Giants and just, you know, putting my best foot forward and just exceeding expectations um, and just staying focused the whole time and, and just – taking advantage of my opportunity, honestly. And when I got that first start, week three, I knew that this was – it felt like a moment, right? And I had yeah. – it felt like a moment two weeks prior because I had a game against the Redskins where – well, against the Washington football team, excuse me, um, where I dropped the ball. You know, the sun was in my eye. Prince wouldn't know anything about this because he's a fluffy DB that doesn't get paid to catch the ball. They got paid to deflect the ball. So, sun got in my eyes. I dropped the football. Um, didn't play again, like didn't get back in the game, uh, didn't even dress the next week. Wow. It was just like, okay, my days might be numbered here. Like I made this team, but it could be a wrap. Week three rolls around, a couple guys got hurt, a couple guys got injured. Now I have to play. I'm the I'm the you know, I'm the guy that's been there the longest outside of Hakeem and Mario and everybody. So now I play week three and then like ended up first catch up the sideline, breaking two tackles, you know. 
get into the end zone in Philadelphia. Philly fans supremely angry at me for scoring. And then I, you know, that's when the false dance was born and things like that. So just that whole well, trip, you, it was you touched on you touched on that a little bit. I've actually had I, I asked a couple of friends like what would you want to know? And they're like, we got to know like where it started. Like, like Ray's got his dance and then, you know, it's like, it's like very into his mom. Like, yep. I, I don't, I don't think you're a Latin guy. I'm pretty sure you're not. Like, where did that, where did that come from? Whoa, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm before, I'm not going to, I'm not going to answer that for Cruz, but I do want to say this. The, that the Eagles was coming in that year with so much hype. The Eagles was known as the, like the dream team. Like they had Asante Samuel, Dominique, um, uh, Rogers Cromartie uh, and Namdi awesome on, on defense. They're like the, they were like the, almost like the best DBs at that time. And I don't know who Cruz, they call it peanuts when you take peanuts o- over. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know who Cruz did that on the end zone, but Cruz is right. Like that was his coming out party. And Philly has the worst. I mean, it has to be one of the worst fans. If you're an opponent, I'm sure if you play for Philly, Actually, it could be bad too if you play for Philly. If you're not winning, but nice. to Philly, it's it's crazy. So go ahead, Cruz. My bad, but yeah, to, the sauce. No, no, that makes sense. And just to to correct you a little bit, I am half Puerto Rican. My mom is Puerto Rican. Puerto Rican. All right, all right. So I grew up in a very Puerto Rican household. Like I grew up dancing. My grandmother. Monday through Sunday, don't no matter what time it was, she had music playing and she was dancing either by herself or with my grandfather or with me or, you know, whatever it was, she was on that dance floor, especially if it was summertime. It was hot. Like she the was cooking. Yep. It was the, the cooking. You smell the food, like yeah, the whole yeah, thing. Yeah. So that's kind of where it started. And then fast forward, as we got to the league, I'm getting my first start that week is approaching and coach Mike Sullivan, you know, Sully, obviously Prince. And he came up to me and he was like, yo, you gotta, you're getting your start. Like you got to do something to rep the culture this week, this, uh, this month, this Hispanic heritage month. Like, no better time than the present. And I was just like, Coach, are you silly? Like, I just dropped the ball two weeks ago. Didn't even dress last week. And you're telling me I need to go dance out here? Like, I'm just trying to get a first down. <laughs> and make sure Eli ain't looking at me crazy by the end of the game. So I told him I'd do it just to get him out of my face. All week long, he's looking at me. He's praying for me, telling me to, you know, do it, do it. So game day, he looks at me. I was like, I got you. Thinking that I would I wouldn't score in this game, I'd probably just have a couple of nice plays. You know, you never know. First catch of the game is the one up the sideline where I break two defenders and I'm going up 65 yard touchdown or something. Wow. And I distinctly remember crossing the the end zone, and I look up and I'm like, "Damn, I gotta do the dance now!" Like I can't. It just makes sense. Like it just made yeah. sense how it all transpired. And then I started dancing, man. And then, ironically, Telemundo, which is the Spanish network out here in the Tri-State yep. area, um, they picked it up. And my grandmother was watching. And she was like, you know, God bless the dead. But she was watching and was like, you popped up on my TV today. Like, we never show football on this TV, at least not American football. And she was blown away and was like, you know, every time you get into the league, every time you get in the end zone, you got to do that dance for me. And I was like, done. Wow. That's that's awesome. It- so a lot of what the show is too, we talk about, I know Prince will, will give you a little bit of love here, but we talk about some of the major influences in your life is, and I, I know from, and so I'm, I'm Cuban and Mexican. So my, my mom, my dad, like my family, like we were raised by a community of people. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I'm wondering if, if 
how big of an influence family was to you, if they're the people you looked up to, or if you had, you know, sports icons too, that, that kind of helped raise you and bring you in the league. Well, it's interesting you say that, especially for me early on in my childhood, it was definitely that community. Like, you know, it's kind of sad that these kids kind of don't have that, at least different. that level of community. It's just different nowadays. Like I would go outside at a very young age and you knew the community is what was going to take care of you and watch over you. And even people that weren't even my family, like they were just people that grew up with me, knew my grandmother, knew my mom, watched my mom be born. Like these are people that may not be family, but they're embedded within our family and in our community, whether we wanted them to or not. So anytime I was outside, they would take care of me or reprimand me when I wasn't doing something right, you know, all of that. So it was very much community in the beginning. And then as I got older, that kind of shifted. I had more mentors. My dad, before he passed, was my mentor, just teaching me the way of life and things, you know, how things go, how to be a man, how to own up to your responsibilities, how, you know, things like that. And then as I got into the league and started to navigate that world, it was it was Harry Carson, who's a guy that I still speak to to this day. And um, he just, you know, guides me through life. He talks to me about different experiences, how he was, you know, how he felt when he retired and the things he went through mentally, physically, emotionally, as a husband, as a father, like all these different things. So it's good to have someone like that to talk to, um, you know, on that level. And then Strahan, too, like as of late, as I've gotten more into the TV space, he's just someone I've tapped into just to pick his brain and just even get his opinion about certain things, you know, and, and, and kind of see where his head is at on things that kind of cross my plate and what he sees for me kind of on the outside looking in. Dang. I didn't, I didn't even know. Cause I, yeah, I'm glad Iggy asked that question. Cause that was one of my questions. Cause I didn't know. I didn't know Harry Carson. Cause Harry Carson is so soft spoken. I didn't even know he was dropping gems like that no that's mm-hmm. awesome i'm gonna come back to that i want to close the football book on so that after eagles i think another big game was the jets revis mm-hmm. revis is like who is this guy never heard of you you take 99 on his head and <laughs> um and you were like yeah like I, I bet he's heard of me now and then and then we get into then we get into this we go into the super bowl and i'm all i'm thinking is not if the salsa is going to happen, like when's the salsa going to happen? Because you've been getting the end zone all in big games that, that year. But I hadn't got it all playoffs. Remember, I didn't get it all playoffs. I mean, I see more triple teams in my entire life, this entire <laughs> But that's why Hakeem and Mario was getting off. And yeah, the tight yeah. End. So yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. As long as we're getting off and we're winning, like, I'm good. It's all good. So you hit a slant, bomb, bomb. You catch it. It was like a two, one-yard, three-yard touchdown. But it doesn't matter. You're in the end zone. Was that the biggest stage you've ever hit the salsa? Like that was. Oh, for sure. Okay. Like for sure, for sure. I mean, there's still people like I know it's real when I go on like vacation somewhere like out of the country or like somebody still hits you with, <laughs> and somebody still hits me with it, or somebody's like, "Yo, I remember that," or I watched the Super Bowl because you know a lot of people they may not watch a bunch of regular season games and see all of that, but everyone in the world watches the Super Bowl, dog. Like. You might not have heard of these teams ever in your life. You might have grew up in, under a rock in Jamaica somewhere, but you're going to crawl up under that rock and come watch the Super Bowl because that's just what the people do. You know what I mean? So when I go to these foreign countries or these places and they see me dance, especially anywhere of Latin descent, like any yeah. island any place that they speak Spanish, they're very familiar with who, with who I am. And the whole thing is just hilarious when you pull up to these places and on check-in, the valet is dancing or, like, you know, <laughs> desk is dancing. It's a beautiful thing. But 
you know, to score in the Super Bowl. A lot of people don't know in that same end zone, maybe like six or seven rows up, my high school football coach and my godfather, who was my AAU basketball coach, who basically watched me grow up in sports and the whole thing were sitting literally right there. Wow. And, um, and it was just, uh, it was a moment. It was a moment for sure. So cool. Jeez. How does that, when you have that experience and, and they, they hit you with a little salsa, now that you've kind of transitioned out, how, how does that make you feel? Do you, does that still feel really good to you? Or, oh, yeah, oh, forever, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. You don't even know, like, I remember, like, it, it was big when I think KD and LeBron was playing one-on-one and they came yeah, right. forward. And wow. No, they played, uh, they were playing um, flag or something. Flag, remember yeah, yeah, flag. Flag. yeah, 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 facts. That was, I still remember that. That was, that was pretty crazy. And um, I was just talking to somebody about this the other day, even when um, I had met Barack Obama and, and I was in like a line to like meet him at the time. It was maybe be the first time I met him and I was at some benefit or whatever. And I'm in the line, like going to meet him and he's with someone else and we're not like I'm on deck and he kind of shaking someone's hand and he sees me out the corner of his eye and he's like, oh, no way. And oh, was, my God. Oh. I was like, nah, you can't do this to my heart, yo. Like, I can't. Like, what? Like, how are you You're doing? Like, I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm done. I, I, like, I, I can die. Time. I can die now. Yeah, I'm straight. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm straight. I'm good. Um, but that was that was definitely a moment. But the salsa, man, I'm telling you, if, if things hit the fan, I turn around 50, 60, me and Prince going to be doing salsa instruction videos and making that bread. Right. And Crazy. I'm, doing, I'm doing my Nigeria. Oh, wow, wow. No, That's you can't do that, Prince. I'm okay, kidding. but uh, so you win the Super Bowl. You the next couple of years, Pro Bowl, ball out. You get paid. Um, not also, not, not to mention, this, I call him Patterson's finest. He's from Patterson, New Jersey, so he basically wins Super Bowl in his hometown, which is awesome. But then that same Eagles field where you turn up, that same Eagles field, you experience. Um, tragedy. Can, mm-hmm. can you talk about that? I know that that was that was like that was huge. You're going through a lot that year. Um, yeah, talk about that. Yeah, it was an interesting moment for me because you know, and anybody that understands when you get hurt in the NFL or any professional sport, you don't you just you just don't know how you're going to come back from that, right? You just don't know what your body's going to be like. I've never been cut open in my life before. Before that time, I never heard anything kind of you know pop or explode in my body the way that oh. felt that moment like you just don't know that was the most indecisive unaware i had no control like it just is what it is i gotta bear with it and get through the other side at the same time i didn't understand how mentally and emotionally that would affect me because i'm home i'm still facing that same indecision my leg is in a sling being in this motorized thing that moves it on its own and i'm just laying there um, my family and friends are, you know, they're around, they help me, they're with me, but you can tell they're just like there for the moment or just like, you know, so for the most part, it was just me in the fam and trying to figure it out and be as normal as possible. And it weighed on me for a minute, you know, and, and as anything does. And then I come back from that injury feeling good and then boom, it happens again. I get a different injury, a calf injury that kind of sidelines me for the rest of that year. And all of these like weird little fluky things start to happen and you know it's just one of those moments where you really take a look at yourself and you really you know figure out and understand like what you really want to do you understand how this game works you understand your position in it you understand more or less how many years you have left in it 
So how do you want to approach the next couple of years? And I think just being able to come kind of come full circle from all of that and get back on the field and prove that I can still play, maybe not to everybody else, but to myself. You know what I mean? So when I came back and had that game winner against Dallas, the little kind of cross around the end zone, I was done. Like after that, I could have do whatever the rest of that year. I'm good. The fact that I came back, I played well in the game, I scored the touchdown to put us ahead. In my mind, I had done everything I wanted to do, and everything after this was a bonus. That's wow. awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. And like, and I'm a, I'm transitioning to this too. Is like, so we were talking about business. I was, I have it in my notes that like you're one of the dudes I looked up to business wise. Like I even told you when you came to the Bears, everyone wants the cruise model. Like how how is cruise? How does he get in into these spaces? How how's he doing this and stuff? You tuck. Um, Tuck was a guy who moved well and stuff like that. And so you kind of parlayed that injury. You made a, um, was it, it's Showtime, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You made a Showtime quick little doc um, about about that. And I'm sure that's through your relationships with Showtime. And so how, how did that come along? And can you talk about that? Yeah, I just wanted to document the process. I think you know, a lot of times as athletes, you know, you get these injuries and you want to document them and you want to document the return. And because it's interesting, right? People always see injuries happen. People always see these, you know, these athletes on the flip side get injured and missing a, a substantial amount of time. And then you just see them come back and you're like, oh, they're back. But what happened during that time? What transpired? What ups and downs happened? How did you, what setbacks were there? You know, like, so I just wanted to kind of chronicle all of that and, and kind of put it out there, good or bad, for the people to see and for the kids to see and for everyone to kind of understand that I've experienced everything. I think that was on purpose. You know, I think God wanted me to put, you know, put me through that on purpose to experience the Super Bowl, Pro Bowl level things. And then on the flip side, understand what it is to be hurt and not be available or not be there and get cut. And like those are all things I needed to experience. I've never been cut from anything in my life. You know what I'm saying? So to be cut twice, and then I was cut twice in, in 19, in like 12 months, I was cut twice. Jeez. Maybe less than that. So it was just like, um, you know, you go through a period of depression. You go through a period of like, is yeah. this for me? You know, how am I, what's the next steps? What does that look like? And um, and luckily I had fam and good people around me, but those injuries really mm-hmm. put everything in perspective for you, um, especially as you get up there in age. And, and football may not be the most important thing to you at that moment anymore because there's just, you have kids, you have life, you have parents, you have other things that start to weigh more and become more important to you as you mature and as you get older. I, I, I was going to mention that. I think, especially in the media now, there's so much more openness to talk about athletes going through depression and having a difficult time and not just being that warrior on the field. <clears throat> I think uh, Dak Prescott was really vocal about that um, this past year. Um, you know, talk about a little bit about like what. What, what, what was your headspace like? You know, where were you during that, 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 especially that second injury, right? It's like so excited to be back and then it hits me again. Um, you know, what did you do to get through some of those things? I was tight, man. It, it, it varied from anger to like sadness to like um, p- more pressure again. You know what I mean? Because mm. like at the time, like, the, you know, I was getting paid a lot of money and, and I wasn't yeah. out there to perform and to earn it. And that was the biggest part was like, I just want to earn this shit. You know, as a football player, you want to prove that you can play and prove that you can still play at this level, especially coming off of the level that I already displayed. I want to get back to that. You know what I mean? So, 
you just want to earn your keep. And yet, like you're sitting back and making money, but you're just like, this isn't fulfilling. And it wasn't, it didn't feel good to me in the moment, you know? So I think my headspace kind of going through those ups and downs was like, just to stay locked in, like stay focused, find other things, find other opportunities, find other hobbies, you know, dig deep into yourself and see how you can come out of all of this. And, and I think I did a good job of kind of, you know, putting eggs in other baskets and figuring out things for myself and then coming back to those baskets when, once football was over to kind of recoup the reward. Oh, that's yes, uh... yes, you did. <laughs> a lot of people don't know, Cruz, Cruz was a young entrepreneur. He had this brand called Young Whales. Very early on. And uh, Young Wales was like, to me, it was like, it was a brand that you would see, not at Hot Topic, but you would see it like at a Tilly, Zoomies. It was like, it was like a cool little, it was like a, a hip brand. But Cruz, you've always been a young entrepreneur, but you've been in different spaces from like the fashion world. I remember I would always hit this dude up all every time around the same time. Where you at? I'm in Milan. He's like at a, at a fashion show and stuff like that. And then he got me in into going to it because even though everyone knows I'm like worse, worse dress, even though <laughs> I don't dress to everyone's liking, but it still interests me, the yeah. preparation stuff, the whole, the whole experience, but he's in a fashion. I didn't even know about, um, you're, you have some dealings with uninterrupted and, Correct. And, and stuff like that. And so you're on the talk, you've been on the talk, um, just talk about stuff that like those those eggs, those eggs that are in the back that are in the basket. Yeah, I think it started. Um, and, and you know, what's funny is that early on, I didn't even know I wasn't doing this for like later. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like in the moment. I mean, I think there was some cognizance of like, oh, this could potentially be something I'd be into later. But it wasn't like a conscious effort to be like, oh, this is going to be set. This is going to set me up for later. It was just like shit that I wanted to do in the moment and like shit that I thought was dope in the moment, like co-hosting GMA with Hoda. And I thought this was dope. Like I'm out there in front of millions of people that watch this. Like I'm good. Like, of course I want to do this. So I, so I encourage like that. That's the message for me out there is like, don't be afraid to try things right now as an athlete. You know what I mean? While you're in it as a professional, because now you're going to get the most eyes. You're going to get the most people wanting to talk to you because you're a professional currently right now. When you're retired, there's a different thing there, unless you're the Brady's of, you know, people that name still resonate. But as you're a player, you're live, do any and everything. So me co-hosting on, on GMA for whatever, two, three times that I did, the showrunner loved me from there. Now she moves over to E. They want to start a new show in New York City. She thinks of me because of the years. That was four years prior. And then she's heard I retired because she's a Giants fan. And she's like, let's see if he wants to do it. It's just little things like that, that those eggs, right? I put those eggs in early, put them in the basket. Once I was done, I was like, oh, like someone can, I can go back to the to that basket and grab those eggs. And now they've hatched and now I'm here. So, and with that comes CBS and comes different opportunities as I put my personality out there and as I put myself out there. And that was the biggest thing for me was always be in the right circles. I always try to do things and be in places that make sense I'm never just out just to be out. You know what I mean? Like there's always a rhyme or reason for where I'm going or, or who I'm meeting up with or whatever it is. There always has to, I mean, aside your meeting up with friends, but like if there's a motive, like there's always somewhere to be and, and always in the right circles. And I think that's led me to be where I am today and making these resources and opportunities come to life. 
What are what are some of the the favorite things you're working on? Right? Like what 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 excites you now? What gets you out of bed now? Oh man! So I just started Blue Chip, was which is a a, a platform to help athlete kind <laughs> of mount. say that again. The Blue Chew or Blue Chip? Blue Chip, Blue oh, okay. Chip. It's called Blue Chip. You. That's, <laughs> a, that's a different brand. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> different brand, friend. Uh, so I just Vic, started- ex- excuse Prince Victor. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'm, I already know how this happened. Um, so I just started this thing called Blue Chip, which is a pl- which is a platform for athletes of all, not just football players. We got baseball players. We got some soccer players. Um, we just want people to, or athletes specifically, to own their own brands, right? You sign with Nike or you sign with one of these other brands. You can make as much product as you want. You're still only getting five percent of a hundred dollars. You know, a hundred percent of you. You're giving them a hundred percent of you. They're putting their logo on it, and you get a stipend from that. Whereas you can design everything that you want to design. We have an entire back office, designers, everything, and then you can put that into the market, and you get ninety percent of your money instead of five percent. So that's the whole point behind that. And utilizing then, the audience that you've built. That you've built, like you know, these athletes have millions of followers on Instagram. Like, if you get half of the people to buy something, you're good. You've done something right. You know what I mean? So between blue chip, getting guys acclimated on that, between designing footwear p- with Pierre Hardy, which I have some things coming up around holiday, we uh we did some we did some dope footwear. I'm excited about, and then we kind of lowered the price point on that so more people can go out and get it, even though it's a luxury item. <coughs> the price down on that. So between that, between golf, I've been finessing golf. My daughter plays golf. She's um, she's been golfing since five years old. Who's so you? It's, I I've been golfing for a year now. But with that being said, within a year of me golfing and putting it out into the universe, the PGA Tour hit me to pull up to Liberty National this past weekend. Wow! It rained, so we couldn't make it. But and then Hublot is sponsoring an entire golf outing for me, which you're, you guys are going to be invited to. Um, it's sometime after Labor Day in like the, in like the next three, four weeks here. Man. So like, it's just me putting these things out there, man. You know? And I think, don't be shy. Don't be afraid. Don't be scared of what people think. Like, I just don't care about any of that. And I'm just going to continue to put myself out there and, uh, and see what sticks. Some things might not stick and that's fine, but I'm not going to die, you know, without taking the risk or having a regret that I didn't try something 20 years ago when I had the chance, you know? How, how do you so a guy like you that has so many opportunities that that, that, are, that are kind of coming your way what what compass do you use like how do you gauge the opportunity is it just like a gut feeling this sounds really cool i want to do it or is there something else that you use to 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 judge whether or not it's something you really want to dive into because it sounds like when you when you dive in like you're in I'm fully in yeah i think yeah. there's a there's there is that gut feeling of when you first hear about something and it crosses your plate what emotion does it give you, right? You got to trust that first instinct of, oh, is it, oh, wow, that could be beneficial. I can use that. Or is it like, nah, I don't know, that could still use some work or that's not something for me. Um, so it's about it's about you, having your gut feeling. Where did the opportunity come from? Always gauging or understanding the people and the you know different types of people that present ideas to you. Always understand that part of it too. And then at the end of the day, it's it's, is, is this something that I'm gonna use on a daily basis? Like, is this something that I like to talk about? Because if you don't like to talk about it, if you don't like to wear nice clothes that you're gonna design or wear things or, it's not gonna be true to you. You're not gonna be 
you're not going to be as excited about it when you talk about it, when you do promo or media, or even when, when you're promoting it during the process. Like, it's not going to speak to you because, so like, like, I'm never designing something that I'm not going to wear. Like, I'm always going to wear or use or, or promote. Like, there's always going to be things that I take a liking to that I'm going to be a part of uninterrupted. I have ownership in that. Obviously, another athlete-driven platform to kind of bring us to the next level. Of course, that's going to be right up my alley. Like, that's what we want. You know, athletes always want to have their own voice and portray that and give their own voice to the masses. So, of course, I'm going to be behind something like that. So it's about your gut feeling and then knowing who the opportunity came from and then going out there and being excited about it because it's something that you can take a liking to. I love that. That's great. Mm-hmm. Um, Cruz, Francis, you got something? Yeah, Cruz, when when would you say that, like, like I know in football, you said that, um, you said that that Dallas game was like, okay, like, after this, like, I'm, I'm content. Anything on top of this is, um, it's just cherries on top. Mm-hmm. But like, in the business world or in the fashion world, Mm. Like fashion world specifically, I remember you you, you introduced me to Anna Wintour, mm-hmm. and I didn't even know who this lady was. But mm-hmm. then after learning from you, and and I've seen the devil wears Prada, I'm like, oh wow, this is who Anne Hathaway was like portraying or or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is who the movie was about. And then after meeting her, she always has her little bangs and wears these big sunglasses. And I was just like, wow, this she's basically the queen of Vogue. Like she runs the fashion industry. And so you got the nod to go to the Met Gala. And I didn't even know what the Met Gala is. And if you don't know what the Met Gala is, it's like the fashion event of the fashion events. Like it's it's the biggest, it's the biggest thing and stuff like and I never knew about it until I met Cruz. And then so every year I tuned in, okay, what's the theme this year? Who's coming this year? Would you say, Cruz, like that was probably one of your biggest like moments in the fashion world? Um, I think it was one of, and I think I got, I think I might've got another. Cause everyone still rocks the cruises. Um, I don't know if they're called the cruise ones, the whatever, but I think that the was- The cruises, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that was another big thing, but sorry, keep going. No, that was definitely, it's definitely up there. I mean, I mean, there was, I mean, I'm just blessed to have, there's so many, I mean, the Givenchy campaign or any athlete was really doing any of that. Like, I knew that was a big deal when I was getting hit up by, like, people that never, like, Jay hit me one time about that and was like, yo, like, Jay-Z, of course, and he was like, yo, kudos on that. Um, Like, you, that one was like, you could feel me breaking down a barrier. Like, like that one kind of tore through the, 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 you know, the stratosphere of fashion. It disrupted something. Something happened when I did that. I, I I truly felt that on that um, during that campaign, and literally being on set with like Donatella Versace and her coming up to you and pinching your cheeks and saying, no "Oh way. my, God, so cute!" And I'm just looking like, "What? Like you're Donatella?" <laughs> like, thank you. I guess like it was just crazy. And, wow. And, uh, but between that, between the collaborations, between the obviously working with Nike, you know, say what you want about them, but they they're at the top. Like storytelling, materials, technology, the things they do, how they roll out product. Um, it's incredible. And, and just to be behind those walls for even just one time, designing a shoe, having those conversations. I mean, I would tell them my favorite 
literally I'm at the table and I'm telling them my favorite car and like, I love Ferraris and I love the quilted leather seats in mine. Remember I had the Ferrari at the time. Yeah. These quilted leather seats and, you know, I wanted a shoe with two straps and still wanted it to be a luxury, you know, a, um, a casual shoe, not a training shoe. I wanted it to be a lifestyle shoe. And it was the first lifestyle shoe ever by a football player. And I wanted it to like, look like something. And literally as I'm talking, they were sketching one of the, one of the um, Mark Dolce at the time was sketching and already had like a shell of no what he, it was wild. And we were just literally 45 minutes of us talking and asking questions and getting to know me. And he already had something kind of like foundation. You're like, you're like, yeah, that's kind of it. And I'm like, that's actually kind of fire. Like, can we yeah, sample yeah. that right now? Like, what's up? You know, but if anybody knows the process, it's a long process, right? Where with Nike, it's like they get their samples back in like six months, which is which is funny in the high fashion space and the luxury space, um, samples come back in three months. So it's just like it's crazy how in the high fashion space they get they get a faster return on things. And like the crazy couture stuff is there's like three months. Crazy couture stuff, three months. Like they wow. can get it done. Footwear though, I don't know about clothing and things like that. Footwear specifically, if there's luxury items, I don't know why they can just get them turned around quicker, a little quicker than than uh than like a Nike shoe. Yeah. Um, you mentioned like you kind of felt that breaking down barriers moment. Um, I, I always try and kind of creep on the Instagram of the folks that are you know that are uh, that are coming on. There's a lot of what I would, I guess I would call social activism stuff on, on your page as well. Talk a little bit about some of the things that are important to you some of the things that, that are meaningful and I guess some ways that you, you, you interact in that space. Yeah, I think it was a huge deal for me, obviously, coming off of last year too, was supporting more black businesses, um, understanding, you know, what this world is and how it operates and how I needed to do a better job of putting black and brown people at the forefront of a lot more things that I do. Um, if that means, you know, making sure I have African-American photographers for things that, I, things that I do. And I just wanted to create more of a conscious effort in supporting that. And I think it started with my Instagram. Well, it actually started with obviously the Black Lives Matter movement and the social injustice that was going on just a year ago. And kind of all of that having an effect on me and having an effect on my child too, because I had to explain to her about all of this stuff. You know, nobody's really, they haven't, she's not there yet in school to have these conversations and to have these talks. Um, they're, they're also not studying that at this moment. So I have to be the one that's probably expedited that process and had to talk to her about, because in the moment, right, I couldn't just talk to her about George Floyd. I had to talk to her about slavery so that she can understand why we get to George Floyd. So as we're watching CNN and we're watching George Floyd and all of this taking place in the rallies and things like that, I'm talking to her about that. And I'm like, wait, I have to rewind and talk to her about everything, which brought me to a place where like, you know, I was in a rough spot just mentally as a black man navigating through life, even at this level, at this stage that I've grown to, that I've, you know, earned to be, to have the right and, and, and blessed to be at this level it still affected me because I'm still a black man in society. I still have to walk out the same doors, walk in the same target, you know, stores that everybody else goes to. And I don't know if that day could be my last. You just don't know, you know, you truly don't know what could happen out there with one person just decides to take, take matters into his own hands and it could go crazy. And I think, I think Brandon Marshall had an incident. I think immediately after that, that was caught on camera. So it was like, it's, 
you're right. I think I think most people people who know you see you as this sort of almost untouchable figure. But when it happens to you or Brandon Marshall or, or name your celebrity African American guy, girl, Mexican, Cuban, whatever, like it's it, it becomes very humanizing, and I, I I can see that through the content. So I just I wanted to touch on that. Yeah, no, for sure, and I think it hits home for a lot of people um, that were going through things or felt different ways throughout that process and throughout that time because. It, you know, and then at the same time, we're in a pandemic. So it forces you to look within yourself on like, right. what could I be doing differently? What am I doing? What have I been thinking this whole time not supporting black initiatives? Like I've, I should have been doing this long ago. Right? I should have been having requesting black photographers or I'm not showing up type of thing. Like requesting more black people in the room at certain brands that I deal with because mm-hmm. I didn't feel they were making the right decisions. I didn't feel right. for Like having those tough conversations yeah, the real thing, you know. No, that's awesome. Are, are there are there any groups that, that you're passionate about now that that you you want to tell, tell tell people about? You know, any 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 websites and any any charitable organizations? Well, I just try to follow all these. Um, obviously, Instagram has has schooled me a lot, and then I'm having a lot of dialogue with a lot of these people. But I think BlackLivesMatter.com is one that I always go to, and then there's another mm-hmm. website that's within Black Lives Matter that has these page full of black black owned businesses that you can go to, and um. And literally pick your pick your choice, and even go on Instagram. I mean, I do searches on Instagram for black-owned businesses all the time, and I find a ton. And I order things, and I show support. Sometimes I pull up if it's local. Like, um, I've really made a conscious effort to really to really switch things up. And what about what about yours? There, the Victor Cruz Foundation, and obviously the Victor Cruz Foundation. Um, we've done a lot of work towards STEM education specifically, and uh, and as well as financial literacy. But obviously, there's always a component of um, putting, you know, social injustice in there, figuring out how to include. It's about inclusion for us. Yes, we're talking about STEM education, but we want to include as many people as possible. So we try to get out to the tri-state area, try to extend our hand. We want to do something with um, the San Francisco 49ers, who has a STEM education program built into their platform already, which is incredible. And I don't think anyone even knows that. Um, So we're just trying to find different creative ways to keep the kids engaged and enticed about science and learning it like in a hands-on way and not the way we probably learned it from a textbook falling asleep from some teacher regurgitating what the galaxy right. or whatever. Right, right, right. And uh, I, think, I, I I got to Oh, go I, ahead, sorry. I think it's worth to mention, to piggyback on what Cruz said, like I, I feel like a lot of people, they're, how they combat what Cruz said is like, okay, but now you're doing what you're doing, what black, what was being done to black people, now you're doing it to white people by just choosing black owned. And I feel like they kind of miss miss it because it's like, no, we're trying to not even even a score, but just elevate this community or our community up just a little bit, just because like generations and generations have had so many like compound situations of being dealt the wrong card. So we're just trying to like, hey, let's Let's just lift us up just a little bit. And I seen that at the Barclays Center, like when the Barclays Center opened, like, I don't know if this is a rumor, Cruz, but help me out. But I remember someone someone told me like, hey, there's like, it's like mostly black people there, like mostly people from like Brooklyn in that area. And I went there, it was like Atlanta. Like if you've and Atlanta's probably like, when I went to Atlanta and I've just seen black people like everywhere, I was just like, wow, like this. And it's not even just in, not even just in this is might be a bad stereotype, but not even just in like the Popeyes 
or whatever. It's like black people are like everywhere in Atlanta, and that's how it was in Barclay Center. Like it was just, it was like just, it was just like black people everywhere. So I think like Jay Z, I think he had his hand in it, but he did a great job in in employing um, just mostly black black workers in that area and stuff like that. So I I thought that was awesome. Yeah, that was huge. I mean, that was obviously also part of the initiative for him, right? It was employing as many people as possible and bringing more businesses to the area, right? Because now they see this huge stadium, this huge arena. <clears throat> There's going to be people there. We need to put businesses, more businesses around that area so that people can A, have jobs and B, so this economy can thrive in this area so people aren't robbing and stealing every day because they have a job and they have money and they have, you know, they have resources. So I think that was just the biggest thing too, is just having, you know, resources for these people to use and, and, and think about it right at the root level. All we want to do is be equal. It's called any social inequality. We just want to be equal. We can't even be equal. Like y'all want us to just be down here all day, just stay below. But now obviously there's a certain handful of black people that have become equal but now as a population, as a group, as an entire society, a community, we want to be lifted up. And now we're making more of a conscious effort from every celebrity all the way on down to just grassroots community. Mm-hmm. You're seeing a change and it's going to take time. But, you know, we, we got to be at the forefront of it because we might not even see it. Our kids, our kids might not even see it. Prince, it might be their kids, you know, but we got to keep our foot on the gas. Victor, like I have to say, it might be the the most well-rounded guest we've had from the football career to you know, the personal life and the the business and the charitable component. Like I, I I've loved this conversation, man. Thank you so much for for joining us. Um, I've only got one or two more things, Prince. I don't know if you have anything, uh, any any closing stuff. Yeah. So the um the the, the plat <laughs> the platform is uh, is called Win Daily. And so we always like to ask, we, always, we always like to ask this question as we as we end our conversations is, what does winning daily mean to you, and how do you go about doing that every single day? Mm. Um, what winning daily means to me is that every day you wake up. Every day I try to wake up with like a task, you know, maybe not a physical one. Maybe it's an emotional task some days. Maybe it's maybe it is a physical one some days. But I try to wake up with a task and say, hey, how am I going to be? How am I going to approach every situation today? How am I going to be calm through everything that goes on today? I mean, I meditate every morning, which kind of prepares me for the day. Um, But I always want to make sure I set some sort of goal. You know what I mean? Like, you know, make sure my mom is set today or make sure I go to sleep with an even keel today. Make sure I read before bed. Make sure, you know, mostly it's fatherly shit, too. Right. Make sure Kennedy, you know, reads before she goes to sleep. Make sure she's not on her laptop all day long you know, mobbing away. So I just try to create little mini goals for myself. And I think it's just as an athlete, right? Like I just used to create, these goals used to be, or I got to win my one-on-ones today. I sucked yesterday. (laughs) Prince thought he had me today, but I really beat him. But he really, I got to make sure I beat him today. Like those little battles within my head, I got to create new battles for myself. I got to create new challenges so that I wake up and I'm like, all right, let's get to the money today. So it's about creating those little challenges for myself, whether it be something as small as dominate your workout, even though there's no game on Sunday, or get Kennedy together um, because she's your priority today because you're on daddy duty. So. I love that, man. Um, 
Thank you so much. Where can people find you? Where can social, whatever, any any plug you want to make? Man, you can find me. Go to the uh, at Victor Cruz, well, victorcruzfoundation.com. Actually, victorcruzfoundation.org, excuse me. You can find anything about the foundation there, all things about STEM and things we have coming up. Um, you can go to at Victor Cruz on Instagram if you want to see me and the things that I'm doing on a daily basis. You can tune into E! News. I'm on there all the time. Daily Pop, Nightly Pop. I do that as well. And then, yeah, man, check out bluechip.com. Uh, you know, check out your favorite athletes, buy some clothes from them, shop with them, be a part of their lifestyle. We appreciate it. And be on the lookout for some Pierre Hardy, Victor Cruz product um, around the holidays. I'll leave it at that. Affordable. Affordable. Around the $1,000 range. But affordable. Awesome. Victor, thank you, bro. Appreciate you, man, very much. Come on, guys. Have a good one. Appreciate you, Prince. Yes, sir. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.